Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winter-Brill. We're here with Meredith Elliott-Powell. She's the author of Own It, Redefining Responsibility, Stories of Power, Freedom, and Purpose. Meredith, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Meredith, what struck me as I started reading the book, you say you wanted to write this book ever since you discovered how powerful taking ownership of your life and your career can be. So I'm thinking, when did you make that discovery? You know, what was the aha moment? The aha moment for me really happened in corporate America. Mm -hmm. I entered corporate America as a female, worked really hard, and just assumed somebody would notice me. That's right. how I would get promoted. And what I noticed was that I looked around and all my male counterparts were getting the promotions. They were getting the invitations to the golf tournaments. They were getting the invitations to all the sporting events. And I seemed to be being passed over, yet I always got more work. And what really occurred to me, at first I got passive aggressive, I've got to sure. admit. Yeah. But after a while, I started to realize that they got what they wanted because they asked for it. So really taking mm -hmm. that ownership to do good work, to be proud of what I did, but also to take the responsibility that if I wanted to succeed, not wait for somebody else to open the door, but to open the door myself. That was really right. probably the first conscious moment I ahead of it. And then when it worked, sure, it, it just became remarkable. And that's really when I started to see it as a freedom. Uh-huh. Right. And you mentioned the golf, which yeah. leads me into another anecdote I really enjoyed. You're in Juniper uh -huh. on the golf course, and you're with some men on the on the greens, uh -huh. and you asked them a very interesting question. You were curious about their background, which kind of led to the genesis of this book. So tell everybody quickly what happened. Yeah, I, I love this story. I was actually down there playing golf. We were going to play marathon golf for a couple of days. Right. My girlfriend and I run in to grab a sandwich. In walks her husband and his three friends, sit down and start to brag about their golf game. And what I noticed was I had four men, 70 plus, all self-made, mm -hmm. multimillionaires several times over. I also knew that they had all grown up very, very poor. And so I wondered, how does that happen? How do you go from needing a handout to being incredibly philanthropic, to needing a job, to employing hundreds of thousands of people? So I asked. And these four men were so generous. It was started out as a conversation over lunch that went all weekend long. Right. And what it came down to, they all had different paths and different stories, but what it came down to was they all took responsibility for their own success. If they didn't have a great teacher, they got knowledge somewhere else. If you know they couldn't move back home with their parents, they, mm -hmm. nobody was going to pay them unemployment or anything. And not only did it mean that they grew up to be quite successful, but what really hit me was the energy and the power coming off these men. They really were so confident they uh -huh. belonged anywhere and could do anything. It hit me that we're robbing ourselves of that because we've become more of a society of enabling really rather than engaging. We've taken True. failure out. That conversation really sparked. If people could learn how to take responsibility and the skill of it, they could do or accomplish anything they right. wanted. Yeah, no, it was a very powerful anecdote in the book. I mean, it sparked with you, but as the reader, it sparked with me. You say that you feel like it's your mission to bring, you know, responsibility, personal responsibility 
back to the workplace. Why are you so passionate about this I concept? So why is it so important? Because as I walk into corporate America now, anything past 2008, 2010, what I see are leaders very stressed out. They've got numbers to make, goals to make, and they're trying to pull their teams to be successful. And then I see employees caught very fearful. Am I going to be laid off? Are we going to be sold? Will my job go away? Right. And what I found is both sides dependent upon what the other side does. They're, all their energy is focused into what they can't control. And I thought, I'm going to write the book to be focused on what you can control. And when you focus on what you can control, you take responsibility for right. those things and you turn out successful. And that's why the book is, is written that way. It's written for the employee to grab hold of their own career and life. It's also written for the leader, how do you inspire a culture? Because I felt like both sides working together, both sides taking responsibility, you've got a serious recipe for success. Right, it's a symbiotic relationship exactly. from what I gathered from reading. So. Let's discuss it without giving too much away. You know, I'm somebody reading the book saying, yeah, I, I need to redefine my responsibility and get on the right path. What are some practical tools that, that you want to give your readers to sort of launch the process? Well, if you are a leader and you have to build the culture that inspires leaders, right. a couple of things that I tell leaders is that you need to understand in this economy that the relationship you have with your employees is more important than the relationship you have with your customers. And that's a big pill sometimes for them to swallow. Right. But it's the customer experience that's growing the bottom line in this economy. And it would be easy if you were the only person interacting with your customers. Sure. But more often than not, as a CEO. If you're a one-man band, it's easy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But, you know, but in the C-suite, you're not. Right. And so you need your employees to care as much as you do. So first, really understanding that, embracing it and accepting that you are not in control. From there, it's a three-pronged process for a leader. You've got to build a culture of trust which is transparency and clarity. Mm -hmm. Really being clear on what people need to do to be successful. Ownership, giving them voice. So I say in the C-suite, the question of what belongs to you, what the company needs to accomplish, right. but the question of how belongs to the team. And that gives them voice and people support what they help create so they take responsibility for it. And last but not least is you've got to manage performance. We ask our employees to invest in us mm -hmm. and we've got to invest in them. We've got to support them and hold them accountable, help them achieve their goals and then hold them accountable to do their job. C-Suite Radio. So you mentioned a three-step process, Meredith, and your experience do most leaders, are they missing one part of the three, all three? Is it an all or nothing type situation that they need to improve on? Great question. What I find is that most often they have grasped the concept, they understand it. But walking it through and taking action, that's another thing. Yeah. I would say that the biggest one that they have a challenge with is trust. Mm -hmm. Trust is something that we talk about, but grabbing onto it and really understanding how to implement and create Right. trust, but then on top of it, the other two, ownership, we're a little bit afraid to give our employees voice and responsibility to really take their ideas and trust to put them into action. And then performance. We talk about coaching, but we don't often really do it. It's the thing that right. goes off the executive's plate. And then accountability. Confrontation is one of the biggest challenges that executives struggle with. So we tend to not really give people real-time feedback, invest in their performance. And so it feel like people People get the concept, but what I really put in the book right. is this is exactly how you do it. And it is e very easily laid out. Mm -hmm. It is a great sort of a multi-step process, but I'm an employer. How do I 
you know, retake ownership of responsibility of engagement? What, what are some simple tools that you can arm me with? Well, the first thing you need to do is really take a look at your own leadership mm -hmm. and the leaders in your company. I mean, leadership is mission critical in this economy. We, too often, if you look in companies, we have promoted based on personal performance. We need to promote people into leadership positions because they love to lead, mm -hmm. because they're interested in people issues. You know, my husband and I are so different. I love people people issues. I love the drama of it. I love all of it. He just wants to go to work and do his job. Uh -huh. in, in today's world, he is not the right leader to engage employees. He's a production person. He's a performance He's a person. Being. Exactly. Leave him in that role. For me, I would be a good leader because I enjoy coaching. I enjoy inspiring. I want to watch people elevate and go through the ranks. So the first piece is really, really leadership and really gauging how good your leaders are and holding them accountable for employee engagement. Beyond that, you really have to look at your vision, your mission, and your values. Mm -hmm. Is there something to follow? Is there something to believe in? Are people clear on what they're doing and how they contribute to, to your company? I mean, really, have you stated the direction? Have you stated the purpose? But honestly, I think the biggest thing is giving people skin in the game. Mm -hmm. is giving them an opportunity to have their ideas heard and then to take responsibility for those things to succeed. I'm a strategist by training, right. and I tell people all the time, I would take a weak strategy created by the people that have to implement it right. rather than a great strategy driven top-down. When you say top-down, what's, what's, what's the problem with that? There's, it's the leaderships that are bringing it down or not? The ones that care? It's the moment you do that, you're a hero leader rather than a transformational leader. Oh, that was one of my questions. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a hero leader is just what it sounds like. I mean, you know, if I worked for you and all the ideas come from you, then it's your responsibility uh, if, if they work. But it's also you get the blame if they don't. I don't feel okay. you told me what to do. And if I don't like the idea, then I don't care. Okay. But the moment that you say, Meredith, we have to improve sales by 50%, what are your thoughts? What are your ideas? And I put my ideas on the table. Now I'm invested in those. Mm -hmm. I always tell leaders in today's environment, you've got to learn to lead through the power of the question. That's the most important thing that you can do is you set the goals for the company, but asking people their thoughts, their opinions, yeah. what they think. You teach them to think, you create your next level of leaders, and you ensure that what they came up with will succeed. Right. So it sounds like directly involving your employee in the process yes. is, is the main idea here. But also, like you said, it's employing leaders that care oh, yes. and can get the message across to employees that want to be engaged. Yes. So that said, Meredith, how do we find the right leaders? I mean, do you, have, do you have any special recipe? If I'm an employer and I have people who I already consider leaders, but maybe they're not the right ones, what am I doing wrong? How do I know how to get the right leader? How do I get rid of the wrong leader? <laughs> you know, the first thing you've got to do is question whether you've trained your okay. leaders. We, this whole term of leader, honestly, we just promote people and say, you know, wave a magic wand and you're a leader. A lot of people don't True. know how Right, because to lead. it's like, it's not to interrupt you, but you, oh, you've been here for eight years. You're ready to move up, but <laughs> yes. not necessarily. Not I mean, necessarily. Yeah. And, and, and leadership changes. Right. You know, depending on what you're dealing with, who you're leading. So I think, you know, that's the number one thing, questioning whether you have trained your leaders. That's a good point, right. The, the next thing is you need to create your leader avatar. You need to know, you need to look across your leaders and see who has been successful leading in your organization. And then you need to copy that. You need to create, this is the type of leader we need. What are 
are the attributes of that? Right. And once you know that, you can hire for that. True. The flip of that, though, is to hold leaders accountable, is if people aren't doing well, we tend to fire the employee who isn't doing well. We need to hold the leader accountable. Leaders talk a lot about what employees aren't doing, but leaders don't look to themselves. And right. so being quick to hold leaders accountable for the success of their team is incredibly important to creating that culture of trust. So the third part of the book, which I really enjoyed as well, Meredith, was really interesting. How do you become an employee that companies want to keep, as opposed to focusing on the leadership and the type of work environment they're creating? You're saying to the employee, no, here's what you need to do to make sure you're retained. Mm -hmm. What's the main sort of takeaway, would you say, from that part of the book? The main takeaway from that part of the book is that you are 100% in control of whether you have a job, whether you get promoted in the job, anywhere you want to work, and how successful you want to be. What I see in corporate America today is everybody waiting for somebody to give them a job, to promote them, or whether their company's gonna be sold. And you don't need to be in that position. What I wanted to write was the exact steps, what you need to do to become the employee that companies strive to keep. Ironically, I have more parents saying, I need my child to read that book. Right. I want people to understand they're in charge of their career. If your company gets sold, if you follow my steps, you're gonna have 20 other jobs that you could go and take. If your company downsizes, you're not gonna be the person who right. gets downsized. And for leaders, you give this book to your employees, you're gonna have a group who is as passionate about your company yeah. as you are. Well, we're out of time, but I have to say, it is a really great read, and it's really applicable to your personal life as well. Yes. in terms of the rules and the lessons that you put forth in the book. So I, I want to thank you. It's very insightful. Thank you. Okay, thanks for your time. All right, if you'd like to check out the book, buy the book. All you have to do is check out our website. at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We'll see you next time here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.